You are now listening to What the Hell, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate your way to better health. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 62 of What the Health. I'm your host, Lena Lahire, and today I am joined by myself doing a solo sode. And we're going to be talking about how to become happier by challenging our beliefs. One of the ways that we become dissatisfied and unhappy is by not living according to the beliefs and the goals that we have, the things that we value. So, you know, you might value or say that you value living a healthy lifestyle, and yet your actions are incongruent with your beliefs. So say you you care about being healthy, but you stay up late, you don't eat healthy, you don't exercise, and yet you say that you value health. Well, now you have a mismatch between what you're doing and what you're believing. And this creates something which psychologists call cognitive dissonance, which means that you get this kind of yucky feeling, this dissatisfaction, this agitation from doing one thing and saying another. And so you have one of two options. You change what you say and you change what you believe or you change your actions because we're always trying to live a congruent life, whether we realize it or not. And when we're not living a congruent life, we're doing what we say we want to do and what we believe, then it creates this agitation. And so if we're not living according to the goals and the beliefs and the values that we say that we have, we're not going to be happy. So why do we not do what we say we want to do? Why do we live incongruent lives? Well, there's all manner of reasons, but one of the biggest reasons is we have all of these limiting thoughts and these toxic beliefs that we have about ourselves and we don't challenge those thoughts. One of the ways that we can become happier is by not believing everything that we think. Just because a thought comes into your head doesn't mean that it's true. And so we always have to be constantly challenging these beliefs that come in because you're going to have thoughts all the time you know, you have, you don't even realize you're not even conscious of the thoughts that come in every single day and they replay over and over and over again. And they're dictating what we do and they're dictating our mood. And they often go unchallenged because we just think about them on autopilot and a thought will become persistent simply because we allow it to. And then the next day we think about that thing because we thought about that thing yesterday and the day before that and the day before that and the brain becomes attuned to what we focus on and so it'll trigger certain thoughts in certain circumstances because it triggered those thoughts in those certain circumstances the time before that and the time before that and the time before that do you get what I'm saying so we have to challenge these thoughts that come up and not believe everything that we think. One of the things that has really helped me, and 
It's called The Work by Byron Katie, who's a very prolific author, is you have to ask yourself four questions about these thoughts. And this is where, you know, the work, which she calls it, and all of this introspection really comes in because thinking about challenging a thought is not enough. We need to verbalize and become a little bit more introspective, but we need to talk about it out loud, what these thoughts are. We can't just challenge thoughts with thoughts. It, it doesn't work. So you take your thought, say, whatever your limiting thought is, I'm going to, I'll use a personal example. We'll, we'll, we'll get a little bit personal. So one of my self-limiting beliefs is I'm never going to amount to anything. So I take that thought and I ask myself four questions. Number one, is it true? And you can ask yourself this. So you take that limiting belief. I'm never going to amount to anything. Is it true? And if you say yes, then you immediately go to the second one, which is, can you absolutely know it's true? Like, can you be certain that this thought that you have is true? Can you be certain that you're not going to amount to anything? And then I really have to ask myself, well, I've already done quite a bit. I mean, I overcame a drug addiction, overcame an eating disorder. I'm in university. I've just got into honors. Woohoo, just got into honors, got accepted. I've already amounted to a lot. I've gotten married, never thought I'd have a healthy relationship. And I find all of the reasons why it's either true or untrue. And you can think about all these reasons that are true, but are they really true? Or are those just negative thoughts that aren't true? The third question is, how do you react when you believe that thought? So how does that thought make you feel? And for me, I'm not going to amount to anything. That thought makes me feel hopeless. Makes me feel bad. Number four, who would you be without that thought? Like what if you didn't have that thought that plagues you? Who would you be without it? And for me personally, I'd... I'd be more adventurous. I'd, I'd be happier. I'd be more content. I wouldn't be searching for reasons why I'm never going to amount to anything. I'd take more risks. And when we realize how much these thoughts are holding us back, untrue thoughts, then we can start to change them. And so I encourage you to write down all of these negative thoughts that you have that hold you back and ask yourself the four questions. Is it true? Can you absolutely know it's true? How do you react when you believe that thought? And who would you be without that thought? And do that with every single negative thought that you have. And then what you do is you don't just think differently. You think the opposite. So there's a difference between positive thinking and accurate thinking, which is something that Dr. Amen talks about. And I love that because positive thinking, you can tend to 
kind of brush over things and not be realistic, but we also have to be accurate in our thinking as well. And so thinking on things that are true. So for me, flipping it to the opposite and saying, I am going to amount to something. Look at all the things that I've done. And when you say the opposite, then you start to build new neural pathways. And when that thought comes up, you're never going to amount to anything. Immediately, you combat it with, I am going to amount to something. Look at all the things that I've done already. And you find reasons why you are going to amount to something, why you are enough, or whatever your thought is. And when we start to do that, our brain starts to focus on those thoughts. So when we think something over and over and over again, that's what our brain focuses on because we build those new neural pathways. So if our brain starts focusing on a different thought, or every time you have that negative thought, you immediately combat it with the opposite. And you do that work and you go through those questions to help yourself, your brain realize that those thoughts aren't real. They're not true. They're real. You're actually having them, but they're not true. And not every thought you think is true. That's very important to understand. Not every thought that comes into your melon is true. It's not accurate. And so we want to think accurately. And when we start to do this over and over and over again, then our brain starts to do that over and over and over again. And so you don't dip down into that despair when you have that thought or that thought doesn't just run rampant because you're isolating it, you're saying something different, you're going through it, and you're training your brain. In order to be happier, we have to train our brain. If we don't take hold of our mind, we don't take hold of those thoughts, that they'll run rampant and they'll control our lives. And you have control over your brain. You have control over what you do with those thoughts. You might not have control over every thought that comes into your head, but you absolutely have control over what you choose to do with that thought. Do you choose to ruminate over it, to meditate on it, to think about it over and over and over and over and over again, day in, day out? Or do you take that thought and you go through those steps and you challenge it? And when you challenge it, you're training your brain. If you value your health, then this is what you have to do. This is one part of valuing your health. If you say that you value your health and you don't work on your brain, you don't work on your mental health, then you're living an incongruent life and you're not going to be happier because physical health, what we eat and how much we exercise, how much we sleep, is only one part of health. You know, mental health equals physical health and vice versa. You cannot have one without the other. If you say you care about health, but you're letting all these negative thoughts run rampant, I'm sorry, but it doesn't matter how healthy you think you are, or the diet that you say that you have is so healthy, or you exercise, or whatever. 
if you're not doing this kind of stuff, you're not healthy and you're living an incongruent life and you're not going to be happy. So it's very important to understand that, yes, while eating healthy and exercising is important, if you don't take care of your mental health, none of that will matter. None of it will matter. Because here's the thing, when you live in that kind of toxic thinking day in and day out, it puts your body under chronic low-level stress. And stress is a good thing. I mean, we stress gets a really bad rap, like, we need to anti-stress, anti-stress, anti-stress. But like if we didn't have the stress response, we'd be dead. So stress is very helpful and it's good. And the stress response is good. But when it becomes chronic and we don't do anything to stop it, then it can wreak havoc in our body. All the different changes that happen in the stress response from neurotransmitters and hormones and whatnot it has an effect when it lasts too long. What happens to your body? How does it make you feel when you have a negative thought? Like take whatever negative thought that you're challenging. So I'm going to take my example. I'm never going to amount to anything. You know, what happens in your physical body when you say that? Because we know that the body and the mind are intricately connected And what goes on in our mind influences our body to the point of, you know, it can cause sickness, right? So like if you're really nervous about something, that nervousness is the perception that you're anxious about something, right? But it manifests as physical symptoms. So your heart rate speeds up, your palms get sweaty, so you're nervous, You might like get a bit of a tummy ache. Some people even like have to run to the bathroom with diarrhea. Like that's how much our mind influences our body. So what do you think is happening day in and day out when you have all of these thoughts, these negative thoughts that you keep meditating on? What do you think happens in our physical body? Well, those same things happen when we're in a stress response, but they are happening over and over and over again. And so our bodies start to break down if that stress response is not turned off. This is called being in your sympathetic nervous system. And we want to get into our parasympathetic nervous system, that rest and digest instead of fight or flight. Because when we're in rest and digest, guess what? That's when our body heals. That's when we think clearly. If we're in a stress response, i.e. fight or flight, then we're not thinking with our frontal lobes. We're thinking in that stress part of our brain, that middle part, that reptilian part of our brain, the limbic system. And that's where we're making our decisions from instead of our the front part of our brain where we can think rationally and we can problem solve and we can regulate our emotions. But if we're under chronic stress then we're not utilizing that part of our brain. And the only way to tap into that parasympathetic nervous system is one, to breathe and breathe deeply. Because when we're in a stress response, we develop a short, shallow breathing pattern. It's quick. You don't realize it, but that's what you're doing. Immediately when you start breathing like that, your body thinks you're stressed. So we breathe And then we have to 
go over these thoughts that we're thinking because it's all those thoughts that actually spawn us into stress. I mean, very rarely do we like kick into this acute stress response from being chased or like we're not chased. Most people aren't chased by wild animals or I don't know, falling off a cliff or slipping. Like I think if I think about it, like what could could some like acute stressors be that would like immediately kick you in and then you'd go out right away. Maybe like if a car is just about to hit you, then for sure. Or yeah, like you slipped, you slipped on ice. Then your stress response would kick in. And then when you caught your balance and it would, it would end. Right. So a lot of these chronic stressors, they're not from those kinds of things. Those chronic stressors are from the thoughts that we think. So if we're not taking as much effort as some people do in their physical health over our mental health, then we're never going to be happy. We're never going to live a congruent life. And we're going to do things against what we say that we value. I'm going to give you another example because I feel like examples just paint a really good picture. And you might be wondering, like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But you might, like, I'm sure you do. But you might might be thinking, like, I don't even know how this relates to me. I know I have negative thoughts, but like, how is this affecting what I believe and what I value? Here's another example. Say you value a positive body image. Like you value your body. Say you value your body and you don't want to like buy into diet culture or whatever. And every time you look in a mirror you criticize yourself or you're like, you know, doing one of those like side glances, like looking at your figure or you just walk. Every time you walk by a mirror, you do something like that. You suck in your stomach, whatever. Like every time you do that, you're living an incongruent life. And I say that that's an example that I do. And I'm like, yeah, you positive body image. And then I walk by a mirror and I'm doing that. Well, what does that do in our brain? We start to build those neural pathways that every time we walk by a mirror, we criticize ourselves. And then we're doing one thing and saying another. And we become agitated because we know our brain knows what we're doing. And you know what you're doing. And so we need to constantly be assessing our lives and what we do, the thoughts that we think and the actions that we take And ask ourselves, am I living an authentic and congruent life? And if this behavior goes against what I'm saying I value or believe, then I have one of two options. I change the behavior or I change my value. And changing your values is really hard. Harder than changing your behavior because you actually value those things. You know it. Your brain knows it, your body knows it, and yet your behavior has to change. And so if your behavior is one way, it's a different way than what you say you value, you have to ask yourself, why? If I actually say I value this, why am I doing the opposite? So let's take the mirror example. If I say I value having a positive body image, and yet Every time I walk by a mirror, 
I scrutinize myself or I like check my figure. Why am I doing that? Is it just a habit? I mean, that could be part of it. I just do that as a habit. Is it serving as, as a protective mechanism? Like, why am I doing that? Why do I think having a certain figure is good? What makes one figure good and one figure bad? Where did I learn that from? Is it true? Like, is having that kind of figure true? And is it going to offer me any benefits? Well, it might, right? Like realistically, having having a figure could make me feel more confident in myself. It could make me think I'm going to get better jobs because, I mean, research has shown that people who are, are thinner get get more jobs than people who are fatter. That is a thing, right? So we have this society that's fat phobic, for lack of a better term. So maybe I'm doing it for that reason. I don't know. You have to ask yourself, like, what what is this behavior serving? Like, what kind of mechanism is it serving? And maybe there's some good, but there's probably more often than not, it's from a wound that hasn't healed yet. So why do I keep walking by the mirror and looking at that realistically? And I'm, I'll be transparent. I do that because I've put my self-worth in what I look like for a really long time. And that comes from a history of abuse. And I understand that. And it's a hard, it's a hard habit to break when you have, when you look a certain way and people have made you believe or you've let people make you believe that your value lies in your appearance. So then you'll do whatever it takes to maintain that appearance, even at the cost of what you say you value. And guess what that leads to? Unhappiness. Which brings it back full circle. How do we become happier? We live a congruent life. How do we live a congruent life? By challenging the thoughts that we have. And... and changing our behavior because we can't keep doing the same thing and expect our thoughts to change. So we actually have to change our thoughts and change our behavior. Back to the mirror example. Next time I walk by a mirror, don't do that. Next time I walk by a mirror, again, after that, don't do that. And the more you don't do that, the more you won't do that. And you start to break those habits But you can't just stop doing that. You have to understand why you do that in the first place. And that goes back to taking control of those thoughts and going through those questions and really hashing it out with yourself as to why you think and you do what you do, what you really value and what your goals are. Sounds like a lot of work, doesn't it? (laughs) It is a lot of work. And people will put an immense amount of time into their physical body. They'll exercise like I walk an hour a day or I work out an hour a day and I eat this and I eat that. And it's like, okay, well, what do you do for your mental health? I don't know. I, I meditate. Awesome. How long? 10 minutes. How long do you exercise for? An hour. Interesting. 
How about spending the same amount of time on your mental health as you do on your physical body? And then you watch your health transform. But if you don't even take the time to challenge all of those thoughts that we have, which are the source of chronic stress, which impacts our physical body, how do you expect to be healthy? You're not going to be. You can't have physical health without mental health. You can't have mental health without physical health either. So if you spend all this time on your mind work and your spirituality and whatever else, but you eat like crap, you don't exercise, well, that's you're living an incongruent life as well. So you need to attend to all areas of health. The moral of the story and of this podcast episode is you need to attend to all areas of your health. And if you don't, you're not going to be happy and you're not going to achieve any of your goals either because you might have the goal to be more physically active But then if you're not physically active, you have to ask yourself why. And there's usually some little nasty limiting beliefs lying beneath the surface. I'm never, it's not going to matter, or I don't have time, or I'm not strong enough, or my body hurts, or I have this injury, so I can. There's like all these excuses. And it's not simply about just working out. It's about our thoughts that we think about physical activity and how much we value it. Do you see where I'm going with all of this? I hope I hope this is all, you know, coming round, coming full circle, and you understand what I'm getting at. We have to challenge these limiting thoughts that we believe because these limiting thoughts impact how we behave and they impact our physical body, which in turn impacts our mental health again. So it's this Everything is connected, right? Everything is connected. Mental health equals physical health and vice versa. And so my challenge for you today is to take those beliefs that you have, those limiting beliefs, and to start challenging them. And we're going to go over the steps once more. So you take your thought, whatever it is, whatever that negative thought is, and you ask yourself, is it true? Number two, can you absolutely know it's true? And I want you to write these down. Like it's really important that you write this down and you actually do this. Number three, how do you react when you believe that thought? And number four, who would you be without that thought? And you think of who you would actually be and what you would actually do if you didn't have this thought weighing you down. That's the truth. That's the truth. Who would you be? I'd be happier. Well, that's true. You would be happier. And then you take the opposite of whatever that belief is. And that's what you start to say. And you start to train your brain. These are the steps you have to take if you want to live a more congruent life. If you want to be happier. And then your behavior has to accompany it. So the next time you have that thought you immediately go to the opposite and you change your behavior, whatever behavior is accompanying that thought and you start to change it. You have a goal. My goal is to exercise. You have a thought, uh, I'm too tired. It's too late. It's too cold outside. 
and you start to challenge those thoughts and you change your behavior. I'm going to walk anyways. I'm going to walk on the spot. It's too cold outside. I'm going to walk on the spot for one minute. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do something different today because if I don't, nothing will change. If I don't start to think something different, nothing will change. So I encourage you to spend as much time as you do on your physical health, on your mental health. And if you don't spend any time on your physical health, then you got some real work to do for real. And you got to spend some time on all of it and ask yourself why you don't spend time on your physical health, especially if you say that you value it. And if you don't value your health then continue to do what you're doing and don't do anything, but then don't complain when your body breaks down. That's the caveat. You don't have to do anything, but don't complain, <laughs> right? Cause that's incongruent as well. Cause you say you don't care, but that's for another episode. Uh, and I think majority of people who listen to this podcast do care about their health. I think majority of people do care about their health, but they get into this defensive stance Um, And there's a lot of issues going on as to why they think that they can't take care of themselves. But like I said, that's for a different episode. I encourage everyone to start combating those negative thoughts with with those four questions and to start to change your behavior to match what you say you actually value. That is all I have for today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you gained better insight into how you can be the healthiest version of yourself that you can be. Please make sure to hit that subscribe button and follow the podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at what the health lifestyle. And, you know, please leave a review for the podcast. That is the only way that we can get this message of better health out there and your reviews and your comments and your feedback really do mean so much to me. So that's it for today. Make sure you stay tuned for further episodes with some amazing guests that I have planned. And as you go through your day, always remember you are powerful over your health. Have a good day, you guys. Catch you next time.